When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's a very good morning to you. Thanks for doing the triple reverse pike with a twist with me this morning, otherwise known as a backflip. The Gabba rebuild or retreat. We'll get into that in just a moment. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. 13-13-55, the Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line is there for you. You can send me a text, 0467 736 736. Ben Davis in the chair all this week for Patton Heels. Back on Monday, ready to rip in in 2024. Uh, you can rip into 2024 with some brand new golf balls. We have the limited edition Tervis Golf Balls. From Odyssey, along with a golf tour towel. That's right, it's an Odyssey golf pack to give away today over the next two hours. That's right, because our coverage of the first test from Adelaide kicks off at 8 o'clock today. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. That's how you become part of Queensland Sports' biggest conversation. We've got the new opening combo with Usman Kawaja, Steve Smith, We've got Cameron Green in at number four. The Windies have got three debutantes, including Shamar Joseph, who is an absolute terror away. We'll be speaking to our man on the ground, part of the SEN commentary team, uh, Barat Sandarason. You've just heard his interview uh, with Pat Cummins, but we'll be touching base with Barat just to get an idea of the conditions of what is facing uh, the first test against Australia and the Windies in Adelaide. Ian Bishop will be along before eight o'clock as well. Uh, before uh, yeah, eight o'clock as well to well to pick his brains on what the Windies need to do. They are an unknown quantity, but he knows them knows them quite well. Shamar Joseph has said he, he's the one to look out for. One of the three debutants. He's a quick. He used to be a security guard, so a bouncer doing bounces. You think Steve Smith's going to have it coming his way? Exactly. Uh, last night, we saw an instant classic in Big Bash when the Heat's opponents for Friday were decided. Three balls left. Nine runs required. Hardy is at the crease. He delivers. Enriques has hit it for six. He's hit it for six. Over backward square leg. So three off two now is the equation. What will happen? What drama? Two balls, three runs. Hardy bowls. Henriques hits it. They'll get one. They may come for two. The return is coming in. And it's safe. So it's one off one. And the Sixers have one. Regardless of that, because the ball's been hit down a deep third man for four. What a great run chase by the Sydney Sixers, and look at them, elation. They've won by three wickets off the last ball of the day. Yeah, the final ball, nearly 400 runs scored in Perth. The Scorchers taken down by the Sixers. The Sixers, it looked like they were going to do it easy. They needed 17 off the last two overs, so 17 off 12, and they had seven wickets in hand. But then they lost four for five. Oh, wow. Uh, needed nine off the last three, and they won another last ball, as you just heard. Absolutely sensational. The scenes in Perth, an instant classic, as I said, and an instant classic for the Heat 
Because for both the Scorchers and the Sixers, I reckon that was their grand final. They were celebrating like they won the entire comp, the Sixers. So now they're jumping on a plane to head to the Gold Coast and taking on the heat Friday night. And I'm happy with that. Absolutely stoked because I reckon they're coming celebrating a win already. They do get a second chance, the Sixers, if they lose. In fact, so do the Heat if they lose. But I reckon Brisbane are every single chance and more of a chance now of going into the grand final, hosting the grand final at Heritage Bank Stadium. Of course, you can hear it here on SENQ, but we do have some tickets to give away to Friday's final. We'll be doing that before 8 o'clock today. I'll let you know how. 131355-0467-736-736, the best call or the text of the day. That's what we want. Um, tennis, of course, the Australian Open. Six Aussies in action yesterday. We had a 50-50 strike rate, I reckon. Max Purcell, he was through to the second round, plus Isla Talamovic and Tanasi Kokonakis. Marathon matches last night for those two. Another post-midnight finish. Uh, Ayla, she rallied to win the five straight games and the match in the third set against Petra Martic, uh 7-6, Well, one of the special Ks, Tanasi Kokonakis, has had his biggest win at Melbourne Park in nine years. On John Kane Arena, the Aussies arena, he staged an incredible comeback. What about this for a score? 7-6, Tanasi, jeez, he was tenacious. He got it done. He dug deep against the world number seven, uh, world number 37, Sebastian Offner. Mate, I, I wish I could do it easier, but I can't. I've got the mental focus of a three-year-old. So however, uh, however I can get it done, you guys are amazing. Without you, no chance I'm winning. So, You look so composed, but what was going on behind those eyes? <laughs> you don't want to know. Um, <laughs> battling some serious demons, that's for sure. Um, no, it was just it was an incredible court. Um, you know, sometimes I struggle for motivation during the year, but... Uh, January in the Aussie Open definitely isn't one of those times. And, uh, yeah, I had, a, um, I had a sort of tough end to last year, tough start to this year. And, uh, yeah, I know it's a first round, but, but this one meant a lot. Obviously, last year that one hurt. Um, I had a couple of junkies come up to me at Crowd Casino ripping me for that loss against Murray. So um, didn't enjoy that too much. But uh, glad I could make amends and, and win a five-setter here. As I said, I can't thank you guys enough. It's ridiculous in here. So thank you. <laughs> Uh, Tanasi Kokonakis, keeping it real. It's exactly what Australian sport needs, exactly what tennis needs. A couple of junkies were ripping into me at Crown Casino after last year's loss. Uh, And what did he say? I've got the mental attention of a four-year-old. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, keep it coming, Tanasi. And he said he battled some demons. Well, the demon will be battling again today uh, at uh, Melbourne Park. We'll be catching up with Brett Phillips, our SEN tennis expert. But look, let's get into the story that refuses to go away. The Gabba. 131355-0467-736-736. Yesterday, you were inundating me with messages, your thoughts on this, and um, and Intel as well. And we'll get into those. I've got I've got some I've got some information about how far this goes back and how long they have been thinking about walking away from the Gabba rebuild. And when I say they, I am talking about the Queensland state government. Get into that in just a sec. But I know you've got an opinion on this. It's it's an 
it's an issue that's dividing a city, and it shouldn't be. It should be straightforward. If the politicians just did their job, the job they were elected to do, the job that they're paid to do, and that job is to lead. As I said earlier, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed at the vacuum of leadership from both sides of the fence after yesterday that has created this mess. Most of it falls into the Palaszczuk stroke Miles government, but after David Christofulli's comments yesterday, he was the hope of the side. Now I'm, now I'm second-guessing that. Because yesterday what we heard from both the government and the state opposition was the soft option. They've dogged it. Both are starting to walk back from knocking down the Gabba and rebuilding it. They're backing away from what's needed, a brand new Gabba. Why are they doing this? Simple. To get elected in October, to get votes. And if that's what politicians are doing, it's a soft, soft option. Let me catch you up on this. Stephen Miles, the Premier, yesterday, he said, look, at this stage, we are looking into our next stage with the Gabba. Everything's on hold. I'm concerned about the price, he said, and so should Queenslanders be. And yeah, we we should be concerned, and so should he. But it doesn't mean you stop it. It means you actually do your job be a leader and figure out how to keep the price down because what is needed is a brand new Gabba. I love the Gabba as it stands right now, but sadly, she's beyond a use-by date. It's like that bottle of milk in the fridge. It's got a date on it. Don't drink it. Mm, There will be consequences. Look, no decision has been made yet, but the Premier is distancing himself from what he said six weeks ago when he said the Gabba will be knocked down and rebuilt. That is going to go ahead. Now the cost is starting to freak him out. Oh, oh, right. So now the cost is starting to freak him out. Yeah, yeah. After months and months and months of hearing it from you that the cost is an issue. Why are we spending all this money on a stadium? Well, we're not. We're spending it on the area and the precinct, the stadium, happens to be the focal point. So what's he going to do to fix it? No, nothing. He's now balking at it. Thanks, fearless leader. Good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Now, the opposition, though, they're not clean skins on this either because they've just said, no, we're not going to rebuild the Gabba. We're going to do a reno. Why? Where's the business case for that? Oh, that's right. There isn't one yet. That's an issue for both sides. There is no business case yet. But straight away, the state opposition has said, we are going to do a reno. We're not going to knock it down. We're not going to do a rebuild. Why, why, why would they be saying that? Oh, that's right, because they're hearing what you're saying. They're hearing the fear. They're hearing the ignorance. And please don't take that the wrong way, but we're uneducated on this, for the majority. Because if you were educated, you would be in the camp of knocking down the Gabba and rebuilding it. Why are we uneducated? Oh, that's right. That vacuum of leadership. As I said, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. This state government has not taken you on the journey. 
they have not told you why the Gabba needs to be rebuilt. Not revamped, rebuilt for the 2032 Olympic and Paralympic Games. That education would stop you from thinking, and quite rightly, about the spend. Because the major argument I hear now is, oh, but the hospitals are under pressure. We don't have enough ambulances. What about housing? That's a problem for now. And you know why it's a problem for now? Because no one did anything five years ago, a decade ago. They were umming and ahhing and making the wrong decisions. They were worried about their own asses and getting votes and getting re-elected. Not doing what was right, not doing what was needed. Do not make the same mistake now. Because what is needed for this city, not just the Olympics, not for the two or three weeks the Olympic and Paralympic Games is going on, but for tourism and your kids and grandkids, we need to have a world-class stadia to make sure that we can attract the biggest names, the biggest sports, the biggest events. Otherwise, we're going to be left behind. First test at the Gabba, could that be a distant memory? Taylor Swift, is she coming here? No, she's going to the MCG. Coldplay, go to Perth. The tough choices need to be made now, and that's what a leader does. And I go back to the fact that I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed in both sides of the fence after what we heard yesterday. What did we hear yesterday? Well, here's the Premier and the Deputy Opposition Leader. I'm concerned about, as are Queenslanders, concerned about that cost, concerned about the division that it's causing in our community. The reality is the government are telling people at the moment that the Gabba knockdown's not going to happen. I have not, and you'll need to ask the person making those claims why he made them up. Right, see so look at this. It sounds like a couple of kids in the schoolyard. He said that. He did this, pointing fingers. Where's the actual action? Where's the tough decisions being made? Where's the leadership? You wonder why our hospitals, you wonder why our ambulances, you wonder why our housing, our schools, there's issues and dramas now because this is, well, welcome to politics in Queensland 2024. Welcome to Queensland politics. Welcome to politics in this country. No one's doing anything. Pointing fingers trying to get votes for the next election. And you know what? In 2024, whatever doesn't get done now, because right now our problems are hospitals, right now our problem is housing, but down the road it's going to be roads, it's going to be transport, it's going to be lack of suitable infrastructure. Why? Because they're dogging it. They're taking the soft option. They're blowing in the wind and not taking the hard and making the hard calls. What we need now for 2032 and beyond is a brand new stadium. That's in 2032. What we actually need right now is someone to make a tough call. The unpopular call, but the right call. We need leadership. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. All right, off my soapbox now. Vanessa's here with, <laughs> <laughs> with, wow. with, with, the, with the news here. I told you, I'm not angry. Yeah. I'm just disappointed. Um, maybe you're stoked. Maybe you're doing backflips in celebration because this is all on hold. If that's the case, I'd love to hear from you as, we, as, as well. The Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line is there, ready to rock and roll. So is Vanessa. Good morning. Okay, good morning. Well, look, there's uh, in news today, there is a new scam doing the rounds that we need to be aware of. Now, this particular scam is called credential stuffing. And so far, it has affected some very popular retailers, including Dan Murphy's, Event Cinemas, Binge, the TV sub- subscription, Guzmani Gomez and the iconic. Now, it's already affected 
affected about 15,000 Australians. It's where scammers have actually got the login details of customers um, that have logged in on certain accounts, stealing those details and using them for other accounts to then make purchases that come out of their credit card, but get sent to an unknown location. And so customers are getting this confirmation, you made this purchase and they go, no, I didn't. And of course, they never receive the goods because a scammer has made that purchase. So look, the big advice here is making sure we have the strong passwords and not using the same details for every account because that's where this scam works is just in going, okay, well, Ben's password for this account is that. So it's probably the same for that account too. So look, many people no are getting caught. No one's guilty of doing that well, ever, yeah. right? <laughs> Never. I know. Look, there are systems out there for having unique passwords. Also, the multi-factor authentication is also a way to help, um, you know, get, get around those scammers and mm-hmm. keep those accounts safe. So yes, do just be aware and just keep an eye on those credit card accounts too, uh, so that you know if a fraudulent transaction has come out of your account. So yes, we need to be aware. Um, Now also, you know, back to school next week. I don't know about your household, but we are stocking up on uniforms and books and lunch boxes and the whole deal. Uh, We've got the facts and figures out today about just how much we are paying for education. And we're not talking just about school fees here. That's a part of it, obviously, for private schools. You know, you go to a public school, free education. No. Not so much. (laughs) Not a thing. Um, So look, for public schools in Brisbane, we are averaging 85 thousand dollars over our kids schooling journey so that's uh, prep to year 12 85 grand is what it costs and that's the extras like uniforms the devices yeah. extra tuition public transport or you know whatever transport you use sporting equipment you know other you know those just fees and charges that all come on so 85 grand for a public school a catholic education costs about 205,000 over wow. the schooling journey. For a private school, we're averaging $277,000 over that 13 years. But 85000 for the free public education, outstanding. Yeah, <laughs> so start saving your pennies. And look, just a very quick update on the story yesterday about the dingo bite on mm. Gari, uh, formerly Fraser Island, uh, and the third attack in three weeks. Unfortunately, that dingo has been humanely put down uh, they say it's a last resort that that has to happen. But, um, yeah, that's a tagged animal, so they do know the animal that was responsible. And Three three attacks, just, yeah. Exactly. Uh, three, but three strikes and you're Follow out, right? the rules when you go there because they are very strict on not leaving food out and not feeding the dingoes. It's a fair shout. Vanessa, thank you. 22 minutes past six this Wednesday morning summer breakfast here on SEN. All thanks to MFP Easy Voted Queensland's best fiberglass pool, fiberglass pool builder, mfpeasy.com.au, where reputation talks. All right, and it's all to do around the first test starting this morning down in Adelaide, Australia, and the Windies. Part of SEN's commentary team is, uh, well, he's a South Australian local, but he is Mr. Worldwide. I am speaking of none other than Barrett Senderayson, uh, who's on the line now. Barrett, very good morning to you. What conditions are going to be greeting the Windies and the Aussies come Adelaide Oval this morning? Uh, good morning, Ben. Yeah, look, um, uh, I live in the Adelaide Hills and it's been raining through the night, but that has nothing to do with what will be happening in the city. Uh, we are a good 30 kilometers away and it's it's 
it's been super hot over the last few days, but what the Windies will encounter are conditions that they won't really like because it's going to be 23 degrees max as the day wears on. Uh, there will be a, a, a stiff breeze also around the Adelaide Oval. So speaking to Craig Brathwaite yesterday, uh, he's been loving the heat over the last few days, uh, but today and tomorrow uh, is going to be much cooler than uh, what they've experienced so far. It's a day test too, something that we haven't seen in Adelaide since, what, about 2018? It's always been pink balls mm. uh, there for the, the best part of the last uh, four to five years. Yeah, exactly, which is why I'm rushing to get to the ground as well, which is, is uh, <laughs> new for me. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, yeah, it's, what, 2018 when India played here uh, was when we last saw red ball cricket, and you have to go all the way back to uh, 2014 before there was any pink ball cricket. Uh, to find the, uh, the the previous uh, red ball test, but Damien Hoff, the curator, uh, I think best in the business he is, um, has he, he spoke to us the other day and he said uh, he's kept the pitch very similar to what he's been using for the pink ball test. Uh, it's around 8 mm grass, so uh, I think the fast bowlers will have a, a say on it. He wants the new ball to have an impact every time they, uh, regardless of whether it's Australia or West Indies. Uh, so that should make for some exciting cricket. Uh, and it will be fast scoring. The ball will come on. Um, so a lot to look forward to from that sense. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be interested to see uh, the Adelaide locals, uh, you know, as they do. They, they, they do flood up the Adelaide over every time there is a test match here. But they'll have to do it differently here uh, this time. Uh, and uh, uh, maybe, maybe go big uh, early in the day uh, and then kind of uh, pace themselves as the day wears on. Barrett, so many interesting subplots coming out of this. Obviously, Steve Smith at the top of the order opening uh, in test match cricket for the first time. Cam Green coming at number four. And the Windies, they've got three debutants, including Shamar Joseph, who I'm really looking forward to seeing and what he can do and, and how he might attack Australia's brand new opener. Yeah, I mean, very excited about Shamar Joseph, uh, uh, I mean, we, we, we've heard a lot about his wonderful backstory, and I uh, was fortunate enough to spend uh, a, a couple of hours with him the other day and just get to know him better. And there's something very genuine about Shamar, like uh, where he comes from, he, he realizes that it's a dream that he's in the middle of. Just, uh, what, 14 months ago, he was working in a security firm. Never thought he'd play cricket for Guyana, forget test cricket, but uh, it's happened in a hurry, and he bowls in a hurry as well. So he's He's quick. I mean, you're not talking Sean Tate, 155 kph plus, but he's still in the high 140s, um, and I think he will test the Australians because there's so so little footage of him, so they don't have much to go go by. Uh, but but again, I mean, you know what? Uh, that that just adds to the uh, the intrigue around this Test match. Steve Smith at the top of the order. How is he going to go? The new dynamic for Australia's top four. Uh, how do they approach it? Uh, and these new names from the West Indies. Barrett, you've seen so much of Steve Smith bat around the country in different positions, in different formats, in different, uh, well, different scenarios where Australia needs to win test championships, stay alive to be in a tournament, whatever it may be. How is Steve Smith opening bat for Australia? How, how has his demeanour changed, or if has it in the last couple of days leading into this into this test? Oh, he looks like someone who's. Uh... A kid is going to a new school. He's been that chuffed about life. Uh, I was there, uh, as, as I generally am, uh, when he had his first net as the official test opener. Um, and, yeah, uh, the first two balls he faced in the net, uh, I think he, in his head, felt that he got three through the covers and uh, 
an on drive for four. So seven of two balls, and he was very happy with the bit of world. So uh, I don't know whether it's going to be that easy going back to open the innings. But yeah, I mean, a, a world class player like him, when he's keen on doing something, uh, and so keen. Pat Cummins told us in Test cricket yesterday that we've never seen him uh, more excited about anything, and that's what came across as well uh, through through the net sessions. And uh, he'll be he'll be itching to go get out there. Uh, he'll really be pushing Pat Cummins to win the toss and uh, have Australia batting so that he can just get out there and, you know, uh, get right into it. Get out there and attack. And you do the same, mate. You get on your bike and head down to Adelaide Over. We will uh, catch your call from 8 o'clock our time this morning here. Bharat Senderace and part of SEN's cricket commentary team. Every single ball of the Aussies and Windies, you can catch it here. Uh, 8 o'clock, as I said, on SENQ, 6.93am. And on the Gold Coast, SENQ, 16.20. Bharat, on your way. Thank you very much. He's got over Sebastian Offner in a high quality first round encounter. Yes, high intensity and high class as well. Tanasi Kokonakis, one of six Aussie men into the second round. This is where we bring in our tennis expert here on SCN, Brett Phillips. BP, a very good morning to you. Uh, the Special K, well, one half of the Special Ks. It was an epic last night <laughs> in Melbourne Park, wasn't it? Look, there's no shortage of drama, Ben, when Thanasi uh, plays. Uh, you know, the theme, the theme of his matches, they've got some uh, duration about them and sometimes he um, gets over the line, sometimes he gets pipped. I mean, uh, you'd certainly love him to win a lot easier, uh, but he had to show some grit last night. And, you know, he hadn't had a win for this year. Lost in Brisbane, uh, lost in Adelaide and, and needed to get his year off to a good start. And that John Kane Arena, I mean, is just... Uh, I don't know, mate. It's an amphitheatre for uh, <laughs> just people walking in. We get this jelly babies out the red cordial, and he's, you know, people get into a frenzy. It's a different type of tennis environment, and and Thanasi, you know, was uh, trying to feed off that, you know, through the high moments of last night, and then in the moments when you know he had his back to the wall, and you're going down to five, and the margins are small, and you're trying to execute the right shot and make the right decisions, and. Yeah, whatever that crowd is worth, it might be half a percent. It, it was uh, in his favour, clearly. And, you know, I've seen many a opposition player on that court sort of, mm-hmm. you know, quite rattled towards uh, the end of the match and maybe not able to play their best tennis. But, yeah, for the Nasi, it's huge. I mean, these Grand Slam wins, I've said it before, they just mean a hell of a lot to players who um, are sitting between 50 and 100 who are taking, trying to take the next step. And, I mean, he takes on Grigor Dimitrov next to, you know, the people of Brisbane saw up close and personal win the international yeah. to start the summer. And, you know, Grigor's trying to rewind the clock and believe that he can still have an impact at Grand Slam level at um, at 32. He's seen all these young backs uh, come through the game, but he's still uh, an exceptional tennis player. I mean, look, all the Aussie matchups in round two are going to be tough, but who knows? You're playing on home soil and... Make the most of that home ground advantage. Tanasi Kokonakis, I, I just love, I just love his honesty. Uh, the post post match when he was interviewed on court, he he said, "What is it? You got the attention span of a four year old." Uh, after last mm. year's loss, he had he, what was it? The, the junkies that came up and gave him a, an absolute ribbing at Crown Casino for it. So it, it stuck long in his memory. But he he just he pleases the crowd on court, but off it as well. The the honesty is refreshing. Look, look, it is. He uh, he puts it all out there. You know exactly um, how he's feeling, and he's, he's very, very honest. He does admit that he's not 
your norm tennis player who lives and breathes and loves it. I mean, I'm talking about the lifestyle, the grind, the practice sessions, the gym sessions, the... all the things you've got to do to be the best version. Now, his natural talent allows him to sit inside the top 100. I suppose for us that follow the sport quite intimately, we know there's some upside. And, you, and of course, you want to see that person be the best. You know, what's the ceiling? But, um, you know, Thanasi knows that, gee, for him to dial into that level, it takes an extraordinary effort. So everyone goes on their own journey. Will he, Is his best tennis still to come? I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. But... You know, I know he's better than about 65 in the world. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, you've got to sort of turn those performances last night into consistent performances. But he is honest. You're right. He, he admits that he's, it's, you know, he's not in love with the grind of the sport and he wouldn't be alone there. Uh, TK through the, the final match of the night was, uh, well, it was a long one. You had to keep the eyelids open for this. And Isla Talamanovic, uh, she, uh, well, she fought back in that final set, wasn't it? It was touch and go for her, but she stormed home. Yeah, in three sets over, you know, Petra Martic. I mean, we, we knew that was probably going to be a fairly close scoreline and, and closer because Isla just hasn't played the volume of tennis in the last uh, 12 months. So she's still finding her, her match feet again. And, you know, she'll get better as, uh, you know, each match she plays. I mean, you know, before she got that injury, I mean, she made those two Grand Slam quarterfinals and, you know, she's always been a very well put together athlete and tennis player and was starting to really fulfill her potential and you know if she had got those Wimbledon points from the year before she would have been around the top 20 which we all knew she was capable of world-class backhand um you know the forehand hasn't been as strong but it's 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 tightened up and look she needed that win just to get some confidence and get her season uh, rolling so yeah you know she uh, had to show a bit of, <laughs> a bit of fair bit of determination and and just find a way to get over the line. And sort of the stands were emptying too. Uh, you know, it's a long day at the tennis, and but the, those who were still at John Kane uh, made a fair bit of noise for her. Well, and they would have been emptying too when she was what before one down in the in the yeah. in the in the third set. So you think, oh, it's all over Red Rover, and what we're passing midnight local time down there. So yeah, walked away. But those who stuck around saw her win five straight to to, to get the to get the W. Yeah, and I can I just say her next opponent, uh, Yelena Ostapenko, the 11th seed, who knocked out Kim Birrell, unfortunately, the Aussie. But it's a rematch. Ostapenko, Tom Yanovich, Wimbledon 2021. Big spat between these two. Uh, you can Everyone can YouTube and have a look at it. <laughs> and uh, uh, we were sort of, when we saw the draw, we wanted Kim Birrell to win, of course. But we've, in my mind, I was thinking, gee, I wouldn't mind a rematch of that Wimbledon little, uh, little, little, you know, exchange of words after the match. Nice one. We're looking forward to that. A pure grudge match. So we've got uh, Isla and Storm Hunter. So two Aussie women through to the mm. second round. And, and what we've got, six yep. Aussie men left, including the Demon, who's back in action today. Yeah, day session for Demon. There's a fair bit of rain around Melbourne. Not going to affect Rod Laver Arena, where we've got he and Popperin, Thompson and Margaret Court. He won't be affected. John Kane, they can shut the roof for Hunter and O'Connell. So, yeah, all our main Aussies will uh, not be interrupted. We'll have a bit of interruption to the outside courts. But, yeah, look, this is a, a fascinating matchup for me, for Alex. Um, yeah, big fan of Matteo Almaldi. He's uh, risen up the rankings very quickly in the last 12 months. Uh, the Italians are producing good tennis players, and he's a he's a competitor first and foremost. He is a competitor. He would stay mm. out there for four hours if he needed to. So, yeah, this should be a great matchup. I mean, Popper and well, yeah, he's going to have his work cut out. But let's see what he brings. I'm I'm really fascinated the way he'll start that game, and hopefully that's with a bit of energy and get into the face of Novak. And I mean, if you can get the first set against Djokovic, I mean, at least you're in the match. 
I mean, there's been a lot of times when Djokovic is two sets down and it's like the whole match just starts again and you, you know how it's going to swing back in his favour. But Alexi's at least got to get that first set. You know, Tomo's got, uh, Jordan Thompson's got Sissy Pass. He beat him last yeah. year at Indian Wells. I reckon he could possibly beat him again. Storm Hunter, very winnable against Laura Siegerman. And Chris O'Connell, Ben Shelton, he was a star last year making the quarters, this young American, semis of the US. But O'Connell, chock full of confidence on home soil, not uh, US soil where Ben's got a lot of support. John Kane Arena, yeah, might you know, work in the favour of uh, Chris as long as this guy is not serving at you know, bombs at 230 k's, which he's very capable of, Shelton. Yeah, plenty to look forward to as far as the Aussie appetite. And, of course, the uh, SEN app is the best place to listen to the Australian Open, the coverage from 6 o'clock tonight. Download, download the app. It's the best place to listen to us regardless. BP, before I let you go, we kind of touched on this yesterday. You mentioned Tomo, um, and I asked you about his comments about this is the most woke tournament ever with, with the crowds and distractions of the players. But uh, court, is it court six? Is it the, well, I was going to say the party hole. No, it's golf. Is it the party court, court six? <laughs> yeah, got to, I haven't actually checked it out. I'm going to try and do that in the next couple of days. But there is a courtside bar there, which is something they've brought in for the first time. So my understanding is, yeah, the regular putters, mm. uh, we've got a general admission, can wander up. Two-story. It's a two-story bar, isn't it? So it's a yeah. it's a, it's a big it's one. Got a, a, yeah, view right over the court. And as you can imagine, it's the day wears on and, you know, people are a little bit more lubricated, they're a little bit more looser, and uh, they're, you know, it, it's maybe not conducive to, um, you know, the best behaviour. And there's a couple of players who have said, yeah, don't, don't like it necessarily. I need to go and check it out um, in this first week while there's a few matches. But this yeah. is TA and the Australian Open are always trying innovative things. Some work, some don't, but mm. we'll see what the final wash up of it all is. Has anyone said it's a good one? About the players? Is anyone in favour of it that you've heard? I haven't, I haven't heard um, you know, people sort of uh, talking glowingly about it. I mean, the only comment we uh, put a little thing up on the first serve from Sitsi Pass last night, he wasn't a massive fan of the whole idea. Um, yeah, I think the tennis players understand that the landscape is going to continue to change and they've got to bring new fans into the sport and all that, but still it is their workplace. And they think that, you know, at, at a minimum, you know, tennis, the disruptions, it's not a loud sport. You know, when play's on, it's a quiet sport. Um, that's the way tennis has always been. So, yeah, they've got to find some middle ground somewhere on that. Outstanding, mate. Uh, Continue the good work. It's going to be a long two weeks, which we love, but you are right in your element and we appreciate you bringing it to us. Uh, Brett Phillips, part of the SCN team, our tennis expert, Melbourne Parker, the Aussies in action today. Make sure, as I said, download the app and you can hear it all from 6 o'clock tonight. Carlos Brathwaite! Carlos Brathwaite! Remember the name! History for the West Indies! What a match we've had here at Eden Gardens! Ah, yes, one of the all-time great commentary calls. Carlos Brathwaite, remember the name, and the man who delivered that line is on the line right now. He is out here in Australia calling all the action of the Windies and Australia and Big Bash as well, just quietly, for the Seven Network. I speak of none other than Ian Bishop. Bishop, very good morning to you. Thank you for your time. Um, that was that was legendary commentary. Do, 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 did you have that saved up in the bank, or was it something that just came to you on the moment. <laughs> morning to you, morning to you listeners, hello to everyone. No, I, I have to admit that was one of the times that it was impromptu, um, just driven by the occasion and um, in many ways, 
the appreciation of West Indies cricket. Well, you've got another Brathwaite uh, in charge now in Craig, uh, leading yeah. his team uh, against Australia, starting Adelaide, Adelaide Oval this morning. Uh, three debutants in this side. Um, do you think you'd ever get to that adulation again with the current crop of uh, West Indian cricketers? If it does happen, it'll take uh, some more time because for several reasons uh, that we've talked about noticeably, um, the advent of T20 cricket and, and its pull on the regional game in the Caribbean. Uh, so many of the more experienced players choosing to go that route, understandably. Um, the economics of the world game now, where there seems to be a disparity, slight disparity between the haves and the have-nots. So uh, with such a young group on this tour against the world test champions in their backyard, um, I think we have to be very measured in our expectation. Measured, and I would think also there is a little sense of that unknown playing into your or your uh, um, countryman's uh, favour. I, I know speaking to Usman Kawaja a couple of days ago, he said, "Look, there there are a lot of unknowns with this team as bowlers. You they wouldn't have seen batsmen for their strengths or their weaknesses, but but also as a batter, he said we have not seen much of the bowlers. So picking their deliveries, uh, picking what they can." do their strengths and weaknesses is actually going to be quite tough yeah and but that's the the sort of measure playing at the highest level you know even in this age of technology you don't always get to have a, a good look live at the guys that you're coming up against not all of them anyway um and the west indies do have a couple of bowlers that i am hoping will put their hand up on this store gudakish moti who's played a couple of test matches before left arm spinner very good all format bowler shamar joseph who will be playing his first test match i think is a nice young quick who i'm hoping will develop significantly so from a batting point perspective though against stark and hazelwood and all those guys i think that's the biggest of the challenges I love Shamar Joseph's story, and, and Ian, is, is your career obviously with the 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 Windies in the in the eighties and and nineties, being a paceman who was uh, just putting down thunderbolts? What what would your advice be to young Shamar who's making his Test debut and and against a brand new Test opener in in Steve Smith? <laughs> well. It- I suppose I've passed on a few words of advice before, um, but it's going to be, I suppose, one of the tours where you're happy to be bowling on Australian pitches against an excellent group of batters, but you also have to be prepared to put in a lot of hard, hard work, 15, 20 overs, unless the ball goes around corners per innings, um, and keep learning. This is going to be his first test tour. Keep learning. Uh, He's a wonderful story, as you said. He's a hard worker. I can vouch for that. Very, very fit young man. Um, and I have a lot of expectation of him going on to cement a place in the next couple of years in West Indies cricket. Uh, for those who don't know, he, he was a security guard, wasn't he? What was that about, yeah. uh, eight, 18 months ago? Am I getting my timeline yes. like that? Yeah. No, that's fine. He, he bet on himself because he comes from uh, the east coast of Ghana in Burbis, um, and you have to, there were stories well told about where he lives in Barakada. Uh, you had to take a boat for a couple of hours to get there. Uh, no internet, no television, that sort of thing. And he bet on himself moving to Georgetown, understanding his love for the game um, and with a young family, a couple of young kids and um, their mom as well. 
and he's made it to this level, I would say, in a year. Everything has just moved from getting into a domestic team into the international setup in 12 months. I mean, that is a brilliant story for a guy who's come out of abject poverty. Outstanding. See, we love the stories. We love the stories behind what we're about to hear and about to watch on our TVs and radios as well. Shamar Joseph, 24 years of age, making his test debut. Um, Would you test out Australia's brand new opener? Would you try and pepper him, Steve Smith, Ian? Is is that what you would do? (laughs) Ah, Look, once you know what your best tools are, uh, in the case of Roach, Alzari Joseph, Shamar Joseph, who are all different types of bowlers, Alzari Joseph, taller, Roach, a little bit slower than in his pump and a lot shorter, similar height to Shamar Joseph, who's skittier. You've got to test the good length, test the full length, but also be able to say, hey, here's a look at a short delivery so you can't just pop onto the front foot at me. So you're testing, that's what test cricket is all about, testing all facets of the new openers technique, as experienced and skillful as that new openers. Remember, he's got more test runs than the entire West Indies put together. Wow, when you put it like that, yes, they are up against it. A David and Goliath story. Uh, Ian Bishop, my guest this morning, uh, out here for the Seven Network, uh, calling uh, the action on your TV screen. So 161 test wickets, Bish, and uh, in with the white ball as well, uh, pretty handy in the one-day arena, 118 wickets there. I have loved hearing and seeing you call the Big Bash as well. Uh, we've got a vested interest here in Queensland, obviously the heat. Right. Uh, un- uh, they, they've, only, they've only had one. They've only had one loss all season, and now they're they're hosting a final Friday night. Um, what have you made of of the Brisbane Heat? If I can get your impressions on that, I, I like what I saw. Um, for so much of that preliminary round, there they were up there, up there. But mm. now it's a business, and they've got a really good bowling group. That's the thing that stood out to me. The bowling group is as good as any in the tournament. Um, so. I think they should challenge. They really should challenge for it. Uh, I really enjoyed looking at them and one or two of us in the Big Bash League. Outstanding stuff. Mate, we will uh, listen to your call uh, and watch you uh, on the uh, on the screens of Seven, and we appreciate uh, your time this morning. Stepping us through uh, that West Indian team and Shamar Joseph is someone that we are keenly waiting to see in action. Ian Bishop, appreciate your time. Uh, out there, West Indian fast bowler, express, part of that, uh, part of the 80s and early 90s. Um, he... he he did play against us here. It was when Taylor and Langer were opening. I wonder if he did take on Matty Hayden. I don't know if he did, but um, it's uh, going to be interesting to see and hear what is happening and unfolding in Adelaide.